listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who was really hoping they would add an Olympic sport for irony so his Olympic dreams could come true. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Oh, man, that cuts deep. There was a time <laughs> when I was running where I had two – there were two ways I was going to get a tattoo with my teammates. One was going to be if we were national champs, which we didn't quite make. And the other one was going to be the Olympic rings, which I probably wouldn't have made, but injury kept me from even attempting at the trials. So unironically, my friend, you cut me deep. You cut mm. me deep, just like I'm the surgeons sorry. did after my injury <laughs> <laughs> amazing oh man well we got a great show for you this week ladies and gentlemen uh there's a lot of big news a lot of interesting news uh and some great games to talk about some really cool releases going on right now the summer the summer is getting fascinating i think that there are some really cool games that you might might fall between the cracks for you but we're gonna pluck them out of the cracks and maybe put them in front of your eyes because there's some really cool stuff coming out right now. Uh, we're recording a little early this week um, just to make room for schedules. Christian's still traveling in Wyoming uh, and uh, it's it's early on a Friday. So we're rec- recording a little early. You can probably tell I'm not my usual self already, but the good news is we have an awesome guest hanging out with us. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for Directional Lion Compass. Because we have game streamer extraordinaire that you know as the Northern Lion. Ryan Letourneau joins us for the first time. Hello, Ryan. Hey, uh, I, I could also be maybe your uh, downloadable Canadian I'm ah. sure I'm not the first Canadian that's been on the show, but I, I was racking my brain trying to keep up with the improv there. <laughs> I, I was hoping you weren't <laughs> going to throw it to me. No, I, I, I yes. What, you are, uh, you're in Vancouver, is that right? Yeah, I'm in Vancouver, BC. I grew up in Ontario in a, in a town just outside of Toronto, but uh, I've been in Vancouver for uh, about 10 years now. Nice, nice. Is the weather good up there? Are you getting some of those wildfire smoke? problems yeah like every year uh i mean just in general vancouver bc is awesome and the the winters are super mild but lately the summers have been like really smoky we're kind of spared from the worst of it right now but uh you you just keep your fingers crossed because usually it's just a matter of time unfortunately yeah yeah such is life right now i guess on this planet earth of ours um but a huge fan of your content on your uh, on your twitch channel on your youtube channel so delighted to have you on the show uh, and let's jump right in and start things the way we always do. The story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions. Really, any feedback 
dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send it. We love hearing from you. You can also visit our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or hang out with us in the Discord. That's 5x5dlc on Discord as well. But Ryan, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, well, you're, you're putting me in a, in a bit of a, a hot seat right now, but I don't see how my story of the week couldn't be the California lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for, uh, you know, misconduct in the office, to put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big story, and it's still developing. As I said, we're recording Friday morning, so there certainly could possibly be developments that happen before you hear this, but after no, we record. There will be, Jeff, and it wouldn't matter. We could be recording this Monday minutes before it hits the RSS, and somehow yeah. there'd be developments that would come. <laughs> well, that, is our, that is our lot. Uh, but, uh, I mean, just this morning, Jalen Brack uh, issued a statement but here's the here's the overview. It's it's a pretty disturbing lawsuit, and um, it, it basically involves a lot of misconduct misconduct that the uh, California Department of Fair Employment and Housing refers to as frat boy culture, which is nothing new in the games industry. We've certainly heard about those kinds of cultures uh, existing. It, it's a little disturbing to hear it on the scale that seems to have happened at Activision Blizzard and as recently as is happening at Activision Blizzard. One had hoped that this kind of thing was a thing of the past and not something as recently as just the last couple of years. But evidently, there's some some terrible, terrible behavior. Um, I, we, I don't want to go into all the details of it. It's a family show, but... Um, basically, uh, female employees who make up 20% of the workforce at Activision Blizzard, um, they are, it, it seems like they are, were mistreated on a number of levels and, um, forced to be put through some pretty humiliating and uncomfortable situations. Um, Jalen Brack, as I said, put out a statement this morning. Uh, it, actually I, I, I misspeak. He didn't put out a statement. He put out an email. He emailed internally, and evidently it was leaked to uh, Bloomberg. And so it's not actually a statement, but it is a statement internally to his employees um, pledging to um, eradicate that behavior and uh, speak to everybody internally. That is the kind of thing you want to see, of course, but also feels a little too little too late. Ryan, I'm wondering what your reaction to this is and and what you think they should do going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, shocking to hear obviously, but at the same time, you know, from the secondhand knowledge that I've heard from the women that I follow in the industry, it's simultaneously not that surprising. Uh, it's just, I, I guess it's surprising that it, it keeps happening even after we have these like flashpoint issues, like, like last summer, there was all the abuse allegations, not only in like the AAA gaming industry, but also on the on the Twitch side and the YouTube side as well, where a lot of people got, uh, you know, credibly accused of that sort of same misconduct that's going on apparently at Activision Blizzard. And naively, I guess, as somebody not involved, you want to think like, oh, that's that's it. They've probably rooted, you know, as many people out as possible, at least that are involved in it. But finding out that it, the roots run a lot deeper than that is definitely uh, disheartening for sure. And, you know, I, I feel like an, an outsider on this one because I've never 
worked in the in the AAA industry or really in like an organization at this capacity to begin with. So all I I think to myself is like I just stand back and you know listen to what everybody's saying about it that's actually involved and and you know take them seriously and believe them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is. I, I hate to use this term, but it, it is hard to believe just because you just can't imagine people would sort of brazenly act in this way and not feel that it is wrong and uh, unacceptable uh, just on the face of it. And you, it has to point to a culture where it seems permissible um, and that it, it just it, it's unacceptable and it has to change. And hopefully, you know, uh, <laughs> That's the thing that's so disheartening about it is you keep, as you said, Ryan, you keep hearing these stories come out and you feel like, oh, okay, well, that's going to be the last one we hear of because no one's going to accept that going forward. And then th- then there's another one. It just, it just blows my mind that this kind of thing persists. And I, I you know, as somebody who has uh, gotten a paycheck from Blizzard a, a couple of times and has applied at other jobs at Blizzard uh, and actively wanted to work there, I, it's one of my favorite developers or has been up till recent years. Um, this is extremely disheartening. It's it's so it's so depressing to me that this would happen anywhere, but especially at a place that. You know, the the whole mentality of BlizzCon and their community forward approach over the lifespan of that company, it just has felt like the last place you would expect, or at least I would expect, but I guess my eyes are opening. And um, this, this, this kind of behavior is far more common than I would like to admit. Um, Christian, what is your response to this? Yeah, I um I sent you the the legal complaint. It's available on online fi- to find and, and read. And for folks who maybe haven't listened to this show for a while, um, or we haven't talked about legal stuff for a while, a lifetime ago, I was an, an attorney, a practicing litigator. Um, I've retired from that profession now. But um, with that past life knowledge, I will say that typically a government complaint is very boring right? Like the black and white on the page. It's not salacious details. It's not some, some attorneys will try to make the complaint itself very interesting and dynamic. So hope that the media picks up on it. Typically that is not how government complaints work. And, and the same, uh, in my opinion is true here of this complaint filed by the state of California. That said, when you read the details under the alleged facts in just black and white. And again, in very boring matter of fact allegations, it is truly disgusting what's alleged to have happened at Activision and Blizzard over the years. As you mentioned in the intro to it, Jeff, this is, you know, lawsuit is the culmination of a two year investigation before the state can file this lawsuit. They have to try other um, approaches to resolving the issue those went nowhere. So this isn't like a, you know, an ambulance chaser style lawsuit of like, yeah, have you uh, stepped outside? Well, but just call me and I'll, I'll sue the outside. You know, it's not that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it is, it, it is truly, truly, truly disgusting. And, and this next part I need to speak very vaguely about it, This isn't about Blizzard or Activision. Um, and this was some years ago. But I guess to me, the shocking part is how 
common it is, right? And and so personal experience several years ago, you, you know, seeing this kind of stuff happening in a studio firsthand and kind of what happened and the team then trying to band together and make it better and just being hit with a brick wall of leadership you know, leadership kind of being responsible for a lot of the toxic behavior. Whenever they went into a room asking the only woman in there to be the one to take notes, even though that woman was a team leader and and higher ranking than any of the men in the room, um, derogatory pitches for what, um, you know, in-game content should be. That's just degrading to women. And then offhand comments of things that, you know, heavily suggest, um, rape and and abuse as like a joke like oh you get it don't you know and just truly disgusting things and from that all the way down to being reprimanded for sharing uh salary and and compensation rates like you can't talk about that stuff and it's like why not are you underpaying people because that's what it seems like and so again this was a while ago but it doesn't seem to change. And it's hard because even in those instances when you're on a good team and you find your good group of people and you try to do the right thing, you know, it was met with the idea and it seems like similar here in Activision Blizzard. It's like, uh, okay, great. We're taking your complaint seriously and you need to address this by sitting in a room with your alleged abuser and working it out. And it's like, (laughs) no, Um, you know, the failings, the corporate failings of HR are are common and the idea that it's there to protect the people and not the company and, and then as a, a former attorney you know you read about these big uh law firms of of which i work for uh several as like we did we hired a, this reputable big name law firm to lead the internal investigation and they found no wrong it's like get out of here you know i yeah. think it's d- disgusting and to those law firms and the idea that we, we fixed it, you know, like you always hear that kind of like, we're going to, we've thought hard and, you know, uh, we're in treatment or whatever it is. Like there are these buzzwords that are used and then you see this, um, continue across companies and you oftentimes see the perpetrators of these disgusting acts land somewhere else and continue that culture of abuse. And back to the specifics of this complaint about Activision Blizzard, again, assuming the alleged facts by the state of California are true, the higher ups all knew. You don't have that kind of culture and cube crawls happening in the office without leadership knowing. And if leadership truly didn't know, then that is a failure of leadership on an entirely different level. Um, yeah. And I say all that, and then I'll say I have some dear friends at Blizzard that I've met over the years. I, too, yeah. have you know, sought opportunities with them and been fortunate to, to do some cool things with Blizzard over the years. Um, I probably won't be able to anymore after the last three minutes of me talking, but there are good people there and it, it just has to be so hard. You know, again, if you're reading this black and white by the state of California, I can't imagine what it must've been like to work there for, for those people and this is across Activision and Blizzard. I don't think it stops with Blizzard. A lot of the no, allegations in the not. complaint are Blizzard specific, but all the way to the top. Again, if, if Bobby 
doesn't know about didn't know about these things when the acquisition happened when the or the merger happened and didn't know about them as recently as whatever it was the last I think alleged act was last year or 2020. Um, again, another failure of leadership, and it's it sucks. It's wrong, and I think the depressing, soul crushing thing for me is as Ryan mentioned, it seems like there's no end in sight for this. It keeps happening, and, and again, as someone who doesn't have to deal with it on a daily basis as a cisgendered straight white man. And and because of that privilege, um, I can kind of pretend that like, it will get better. I, I did a right thing today and it just keeps happening and it, it hurts. It sucks so bad. Our, uh, our, uh, a friend of the show just on, just on a few weeks ago, Patrick Beja, uh, posted a video this morning on Twitter, um, from BlizzCon. Uh, I think it was in 2010. So it's been a while but very much if if you have a hard time sort of wrapping your head around what this looks and feels like, uh, this is something that happened in public on video at a panel in front of thousands of people. Uh, and it is a, a woman coming up and asking a question to the panel saying, uh, hey, uh, I really love the fact that you have a lot of strong female characters in your game, but do can we get some that don't look like they've just stepped out of Victoria's secret catalog? That was her question to the panel. And immediately you hear all a bunch of female voices, uh, sort of shout in support, like all these female voices, woohoo in the crowd. And then you hear a bunch of male booing from the crowd. And then you, you hear the, or you see the, the panel, uh, respond to her by saying, what catalog would you like her to be to come out of? What catalog would you like our females to come out of? Female characters, um, and then somebody saying, "Well, I think uh, the female Kieran Tor has to come out of like sexy something limited." And everybody's laughing and joking, and uh, it's really hard to watch because then they cut back to the woman who asked the question, and she is clearly uncomfortable and. Um, it took a lot of courage for her to come up and ask that question. And she's just completely smacked down by that panel in such a condescending, uh, (laughs) horrible way. And there is this notion that, Oh, it's all ha ha. It's all a joke. It's all funny. But when you watch stuff like that and you have any ounce of empathy, (laughs) you can really see, I think the threads that this lawsuit is talking about um, because the men, all males on that panel and all of them just deriding the, the person who asked the question, just completely leaning into this, this culture that seems to be at the heart of what, what they're talking about. So it's hard to watch and it's hard to think about and it's hard to acknowledge, I think, as somebody who likes video games and wants them to be made by good people and wants these problems to not exist. Um, but I think the first step is acknowledging that it is an issue and trying to figure out ways that we can all make that stuff go away. I don't know, Ryan, do you have any final thoughts? Like, this is your story of the week. So, I mean, I think a huge story, no doubt. Yeah. Do you think it will have um, an effect? Do you think we'll finally see the tide turn here? Uh, you know, I, I want to say yes, obviously, because it feels comfortable. But I, I honestly just don't know. Like, it's it's hard not to be 
cynical about it for sure. I mean, the the story that you brought up from from 2010 makes me think a lot of things. Like, I think some people might listen to that and think like, oh, so the they were making a joke about the characters having sex appeal. Like, you know, that's not that big of a deal. But for a for a lot of people, it is. You know, to to for women to have somebody that they can play in the game that they relate to that isn't just sexualized. But b it what hits me more is the idea that the people on the panel were so dismissive of the way, like this concern and the way that it was brought up. And right. admittedly, like it's been 11 years and, and it makes me think a lot about how like we thought in, in 2010, cause I've been making YouTube videos and streaming for almost that long, essentially. Um, you know, we thought we were forward thinking back then, but there was still a, a huge normalization of this type of culture. So at least we've made a step in maybe slowly over the course of the last decade. That's something that maybe seemed fairly standard back then now seems kind of shocking now. And, and I hope that this is a a situation where some good can come out of something that's, that's truly terrible. Uh, But I, I guess I just have to wait and see for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be clear, you know, the joking around uh, the joke itself is not, even as it's you, I think you hit the nail on the head for me, which is it's not even the joke that's awful. The joke is awful, but it's not even that. It's how completely disrespectful they handled that woman coming up and asking a question, right? And if if you if you do that to a stranger, uh, one of your customers in public on a stream that thousands of people are watching, imagine the difference behind closed doors to a woman that might you know, offer up her perspective or her opinion uh, to a superior in a work environment. I I just think it's, it's indicative and yeah, it it is 11 years ago. One hopes it has changed, but certainly based on this, the the details of this, this alleged behavior, it it seems like it is not. So, um, you know, obviously we are three dudes talking about this, but uh, you know, hopefully Hopefully this stuff changes and, and it's across a lot of industries, but the video game industry seems particularly bad at, uh, at it because it's been an old boys club for, for far too long. And, uh, and and I think to that stuff about the 2010 comment, and I've probably brought this up before on the show. And I, I know I've, if you go back and through my back catalog, right? Like weekend confirmed or other podcasts, or if you write a stand up comedy show, I did. And, 2007 or whatever. I'm sure I've said things that I regret. I have no doubt about it. I would assume most of us have as we continue to grow and change. And and a comment that I kind of really look to as a a North Star personally, and like I said, I've maybe mentioned this before, but it's from Ad-Rock of the Beastie Boys, and it's in their Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus documentary, but they were headlining Bonnaroo and I forget when. And uh, a woman came up to them and and kind of asked, like, how do you try to represent all of this equality and, and stuff like that now as an older individual? But initially, all of your songs are so misogynistic and all of this stuff that you did as a kid. And don't you just think you're a huge hypocrite to stand up here now and, and try to, you know, I think they were like doing something for some charity. And Adrock replied, I'd rather be a hypocrite than the same person forever. And I feel like that again is something that I try to look for in that you have to be willing to change and look to be better and not just rest on 
I was this person before I made this dumb joke in high school and that is who I am. (laughs) You know, like I will forever be that person who says that's what she said, you know, like even that, right. Like growing and changing from it. So I think for me, the thing specifically about this 2010 blizzard clip is like, that is one thing and it is bad and horrible and it, it existed in this time period. Um, but it also looks like that didn't change. And there wasn't a lot of growth for some of those individuals on that panel because this California lawsuit that specifically talks about some of those individuals is not from 2010. And that is the extra disappointing part of it for me because it's, there hasn't been that growth. And, you know, I'll I'll probably say something on this episode that I will regret 10 years later when I'm like, I never beat breath of the wild 10 years later. I'll be like, I did. And I should have 10 years ago, whatever dumb example, (laughs) but I think you have to be willing to grow and it, it stinks that it looks like blizzard in, yeah. in many ways didn't over this time period. I and mean, it, part it of sucks. what is alleged here is that a, a woman took her own life yeah, and there wasn't any change after that. So it's, it yeah. is, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty awful. Some of the things that were alleged yes. here. So anyway, uh, okay. Moving on from that. I mean, I, I, I think Ryan is absolutely right. That is, probably the biggest story of the week. And it is something that we have to address head on. I think uh, there's no ignoring this stuff. Um, it is, it's depressing, but I think we have to stare at it and understand it. And in order to be part of the change. So uh, I'm glad we talked about it, but uh, let's move on and talk about uh, some, some more positive stories. Christian, what is your story of the week? Oh, I love this transition, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, so I was trying, I was trying to do something. I was trying. <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate it. And I, I do think a big part of it is, um, if it's if saying something right and standing yeah. up, um, and, and trying to be a part of that change. Um, and, and I will, let me just say one more little button on it. Um, you know, we, we try really hard as a show hosted by two white dudes to, uh, have lots of different voices and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud at the number of women we've had on the show, but I'm always, always looking for more that I might not be aware of. So please don't hesitate to email us names of, of women or really anybody that you think would be uh, great to hear their perspective on our show. We'd love to elevate those voices uh, or focus on those voices. So, uh, you know, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. would love to hear suggestions. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, a hundred percent to that. Um, the other thing that's happened now, and again, big news will come out Monday as this show gets posted, but EA play live 2021 finally happened. I kept thinking it already happened because EA had, you know, they showed things at, uh, actually E3 where we saw our first gameplay footage of battlefield 2042. They had some, um, uh, golly, what I'm blanking on the name, the, uh, respawn, Battle Royale, Apex Legends. Apex, Apex, Apex Legends yeah. news already earlier in the summer. That was kind of... And they're usually part of E3. So, right. I mean, not, not officially, but they're usually clumped in that. It's weird to have it be at the end of July, but here we yeah. are. And it was much later, but now they've had their official Play Live 2021. And as uh, discussed on this show and, and leaked uh, before, the kind of kick at the end was the official announcement of the Dead Space remake. And then also, among other games, the other, I think, big kind of uh, megaton, it was hinted to earlier by the Battlefield devs, is the idea of this Battlefield 
portal. I mean, it's straight up leaked. <laughs> it's yeah, straight well, up leaked that morning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, well, it, it made it longer than uh, Dead Space did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In terms of leaks. But it is, I mean, the sandbox mode, right, is back. It, it appears as if you can kind of do almost anything from almost, not all, Battlefield and create your yeah. uh, wild whatever you want it to be knives versus medics uh, you know battlefield yeah, it's, fight it's, cross it's, eras genres it sandbox on steroids it's 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 not just a sandbox in the content that battlefield 2042 is launching but like uh, as you said across all of these battlefield properties which sounds pretty wild that they're able to leverage all this content from even you know bad company and stuff it's uh and it's all remade right it's not like if you've picked something from bad company it's like well here you get 2007 graphics <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it seems like it's a a real play to kind of well one battlefield faithful but also to streamers and content creators and i feel like you know giving something to people to keep playing and engaging with the game in a way that oftentimes the battle royale does just by never ending and i'm curious ryan like from your standpoint of of, of content creation and you know seeing updates to games or just difficult games and kind of what keeps a, a content creator going back and, and creating content with a property but also keeping audiences interested and continuing to see content made from that versus like hello guys welcome back to my 200,000th hour of last of us um, <laughs> and it's like people are like we've seen it it's um, funny because that, that's a caricature of me so <laughs> I, 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 I can take a joke. So, good day. So don't I worry. Was, I, will, yeah. I will be leaving the show yeah. now. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> but I'm curious, you know, what your reaction was to Battlefield Portal. Because to me, it very much felt like equal parts play to OG Battlefield fans, but also acknowledging what air quote multiplayer gaming is to so many people now. Yeah, I, I struggle. um figuring out because i'm i'm too close to the source i guess like where streaming fits into like a, a multi-billion dollar company's marketing push I, I think i always err on the side of like underestimating how important it is but something like this i would a hundred percent agree uh it it kind of feels to me like uh what nintendo did with mario maker uh mm. i apologize for the sirens in the background by the way but um they they have something that's a little bit uh, you know, everybody's experienced either Battlefield or a game superficially similar to it before, but something that can add in that endless replayability that people like to see, I think is, is really positive. Like I, the last time I really got into a Mario game was probably, I don't know, like 2003 or something like that. And Mario Maker 2, when it came out on Switch, I probably played like 200 or 250 hours of it just because there was so much variety and people, really liked watching me play it on stream as well because it was a different thing every single time. So I, I think something like this is an interesting uh, an interesting sort of push for that watchability. And it, I think what most people expected was that they would have some sort of battle royale, you know, the, in order to make it compelling to watch and maybe uh, you compete with Warzone, which is incredibly popular still on, on Twitch and outside as well. Uh, but I think this is an interesting mix-up and I'm excited to see how it works out for them. Like, uh, just being fully honest, I've never actually played a Battlefield game in my entire life, but this makes it that much more likely that I would check it out for sure. Hmm. 
Is there anything in the uh, EA Play Live 2021 presentation that piqued your interest? Were you excited about Dead Space or those kind of games? I'm I'm so like a counter position to a lot of AAA yeah. stuff. Like not not on principle, but just like due to my my taste because I think I kind of moved my my uh desire for games by playing so much indie stuff over the years but i love knockout city and i i really yeah. feel like uh a lot of people uh that everybody that plays it seems to get it and and enjoy it as a weird kind of accessible sports shooter almost like a like an overwatch but using dodgeballs instead and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where they go from there because I, I got way too into that for May and, and most of June. Yeah, me too. That was by far my biggest surprise of the year because I completely wrote that game off when I first saw it. It just aesthetically didn't grab me. It didn't seem like anything that I would enjoy. And then simply because it was a Game Pass game, I gave it a shot because you know, why not? I'm sitting there able to download it. And uh, boy, it is instantly and intensely fun. And what they announced at uh, EA Play Live was the the next, I guess, season or, or pack of content. Uh, they're calling it Fight at the Movies. And it is going to be um, a, a map that is built around uh, movie tropes. You're in this place called uh, Hollowood. Hollow, mm. hollow, uh, it's like Hollywood, but hologrammed. I don't know. Anyway, but uh looks really cool. And I, I love, I hope Knockout City has a big, long popular life i just i'm rooting for that game i have stopped playing it but i i want to jump back in i i kind of just got distracted by other shiny things but uh it's a game i think i'm going to play a lot of this year just jump in and have a few rounds and have some fun and even losing in that game is fun i i like it a lot you know what it is for me is that like when i was younger i played a lot of competitive console first person shooters that was not battlefield apparently but apart from that (laughs) i uh as I've gotten older and I've shifted way more to the PC, I just I can't keep up in in PUBG and Fortnite, Apex. I always feel like everybody else's brain is just moving like three hundred percent faster than mine. Yeah. So Knockout City, like having that competitive team play tactics element, but allowing you to essentially auto aim a, a homing dodgeball at people instead of having yeah. to track their their head or their center of mass is like. It's such a huge removal of that barrier to entry for me that I, I got way more into it than I expected. Yeah, and and I've always bristled at this feeling I get when I'm sniped, right? When I just, I had no idea where they were and, oh, there's the kill cam showing me that, oh, I just didn't see them hiding there. I guess I just, I just need to learn the map better. Uh, that just isn't a feeling I enjoy very much. And Knockout City even kind of deals with that. You know, you have this sensor that, this this indicator that comes up anytime a ball is coming at you and if you're if you're fast enough on the draw you can catch the catch the projectile and i don't know just it just mitigates so many of the things that i find frustrating about multiplayer arena shooters and uh it's it's tons of fun so yeah big future i hope for that game and i'm glad they're updating it soon um i'm curious ryan what you thought of for me the standout game of the entire presentation which was lost in random um, th- this is a game that is, uh, we've seen before, they mentioned it a few times, but I think a deeper dive on what it entails, uh, a release date of September 10th, which is pretty soon. Uh, but this, I think has much more of that indie vibe, uh, that you might appreciate. Certainly I do. Uh, and it looks like this cool mashup between cards and, and dice rolls and, 
um, a, a kind of a fun Tim Burton-esque world. Uh, did you get a chance to see Lost in Random? Uh, I'm looking at some of it right now because I, I actually missed the EA play, but I, I love uh, actually a few of the EA originals that they've done in the past. So just that in and of itself gives me like uh, uh, it gives me a lot of hope. Like I, I and again, like I'm realizing like how little I've played this year. <laughs> like I haven't played. Yeah. It takes two yet, which is probably oh. like the most uh, noteworthy of the EA originals. It's so great. Yeah. It's my, it's my game of the year right now. It is, I, everybody says good. it like. So here's just to, you know, build some context. I, I play a lot of co-op games with my wife, but we had our first kid in uh like late september of 2020 so we've been oh thank you we've been saving this for like when we have time which might so 18 years from now i was gonna say maybe like 20 (laughs) late 2030s we might get so i'm always it's at the top of my list of like oh i should play it but uh we we just haven't found the opportunity yet but uh lost in random i mean it just in terms of like the the back of the box description you know, I, I see cards and I see I see dice, and already I feel like I've got an understanding that, that this is, <laughs> yeah. these are systems built for me. So I, right. <laughs> you, you yeah, piqued looks, my interest for sure. Looks really good, I, I think. Um, but Christian, we should talk a little bit about Dead Space because uh, we only got a teaser, but at least confirmation that it's happening. And I thought the teaser was pretty evocative. Um, what are you hoping for? It looks looks real Dead Spacey. You know, they they even uh, ended with that ominous warning from the first game you know you cut off their limbs uh, so it seems like it's it's very much carrying the torch uh, doesn't seem to be reinventing the wheel too much but of, of course we we don't know that for certain but it seems to be the indication that it's very traditional dead space type game is that what you're hoping for yeah my understanding from kind of the materials that came out about it is that it is it's you know dead space one it is um the RE2 remake version of Dead Space 1, made by Motive, using Frostbite. So going to look, and also um, now current gen only. Um, yeah, it's yeah, PC, not, not cross-gen, yeah. Yeah, PS5 and uh, Xbox Series consoles only. And I, I there's something very loud now at, at my place. Um, and I think that's super exciting because Dead Space was a game that was graphically very impressive, and especially in the atmosphere that it pushed. So I'm hoping for ray tracing and you know all of that really moody lighting and the scares that can happen by really pushing the tech. And my understanding is that it's going to be narratively pretty close, if not I mean, not beat for beat. It's not the Psycho remake, right? But retelling that first Dead Space, Dead Space story. And I think it's a, it's a compelling story. I, I think it's probably the best of the series. And it's one that I would guess most gamers haven't experienced, right? Like yeah. Dead Space 1 is old. And um, I, I think it's going to be a, a revelation for a lot of folks, especially if it looks as beautiful as I, as I think it's going to look. Yeah. There's that cool moment where you think you're looking at the back of some horrible creature and then he just like stands to his full height and you're like, oh, that's the that's the guy's armor. But that was cool. Yeah. Um, Grid Legends, you excited about that? I know you're a driving game guy. Uh, no, I mean, I'm hopeful. I, I like the teams behind it. And this is kind of EA's first, you know, foray with Codemasters. Um, yeah, after they and they're trying to them. do narrative here, evidently. Right. That's what it's it never yeah. works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you think it could, you you think it could, like I still kind of pine for 
the Uncharted driving game, right? Where it, it kind of mixes <laughs> that. And, and Need for Speed's tried it to some extent. Uh, Fast and the Furious tried it to some extent. And I think none of them have really knocked it out of the park yet. I think there's opportunity there. But the past EA games that have tried it, mostly Need for Speed games, I think have fallen flat both was it need for speed run where you would actually like get out of your car for a little that game was not good (laughs) it was not good so and the last one too had a little bit of a story where it's like it was very over it's like hey you're new in town (laughs) oh well you got to solve crime and race to do it (laughs) go ride this junker around town and then i'll get you a real car where you can stop this horrible mafia (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know i'm curious but for me forza horizon is on the horizon and and that and Gran Turismo, I think will right, suck all the, the air out of my racing time. Yeah. What did you think of the EA play live in overall? Uh, do you think it was decent? I think it was decent. I think there were glaring omissions and I, I yeah. think battlefield having already been shown, uh, kind of let that feel a little flatter portal sounds great though. Um, and I think dead space getting leaked, unfortunately kind of hampered that excitement. And the things I want to see weren't there, you know, I, I, sure. I want to Star see Wars, yes. all the things that the weeks leading up to it, they're like, just so you know, we're not showing right. that stuff. They told me they weren't. And I was yeah. still like, but I want it. Yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, all right. My story of the week, uh, we've talked for literally years now about what's going to be the Netflix of gaming. Is is a Game Pass the Netflix of gaming? Is Amazon going to make the Netflix of gaming? Could Sony make the Netflix of gaming? What if Netflix makes the Netflix of gaming? Uh, it turns out Netflix is getting into the game game, and they have officially confirmed that their first set of games that will come packaged with your Netflix service for no additional fee, in fact, will be coming soon, uh, and will. Evidently, at least the first batch will target mobile game, mobile devices, which is interesting. Obviously, Netflix can be played on mobile devices, but it's interesting that they would only service a subset of the things that people experience Netflix on. But uh, evidently, this is just the opening salvo, um, and there will be a, a lot of um, uh, people are talking about it as a smaller version of Apple Arcade. That's what it's been compared to. Uh, and there was a letter to investors um, saying that this is where they expect to see a lot of growth. And there's a, an interesting wrinkle. There's been some data mining uh, that people have discovered uh, images related to both uh, the PlayStation DualSense controller and Ghost of Tsushima, which are mm. in the Netflix app. So maybe some indication that there is a partnership with Sony or some experimentation uh, having larger, you know, bigger non-mobile games, AAA games as part of the service uh, moving forward. So, um, Ryan, I'm curious, what do you think about Netflix getting into gaming? I uh, it, it, normally I'm like an unabashed optimist about like any new ideas so i'm surprised with my own take here like i'm probably the only person you'll find that if you go back to like december 2019 i was like quibi i think quibi could work i'm not a believer necessarily (laughs) but until i actually see it fail i'm not gonna believe it but (laughs) well it didn't take long for you to believe it it, within like 48 hours i was uh availed of the idiocy of my take but uh I I find myself at least a little a little skeptical, but I think that part of that is 
just because as of right now, I don't really know what this looks like. Like, does, is it a, a Game Pass style channel where Netflix will buy the rights uh, for a certain length of time for people to play other companies' games on a Netflix subscription? Or is it the kind of thing where they develop their own uh, games? And what do those look like? Because right now in my head, I, I just pictured like 25 different versions of, you know, what they did for Black Mirror with Bandersnatch, but <laughs> like for Stranger Things and The Queen's Gambit and you know, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, but I guess part of my in- inherent skepticism is I feel that uh, – at least in a broad sense, as as an outsider to this industry, uh, the, the movie industry in particular, Netflix brings value to its customers and and then its shareholders by making like high quality original content, movies that people want to see, whether they make it themselves or they buy the rights uh, for a certain length of time, or they make original programming that uh, people really enjoy watching. Now, anytime I hear about, you know, an enormous company like this getting into games, my cynical take is that I, I picture stuff that's more games that drive, you know, whale type purchases like gotcha games and, yeah. you know, glorified kind of like casinos and stuff like that. So uh, I, I do know that Netflix had like really not, let's call them sagging numbers in in their most recent earnings report, which was like probably where this information came from to begin with a couple of days ago. Um, and, and I almost wonder if this isn't something they can just interject as like, a, oh, don't worry about it because we've got this, you know, $400 billion industry that we haven't even touched yet. But yeah. I, I think that uh, they're, they're two different beasts. And I, I wouldn't necessarily want to be like a disbeliever in their ability to crack into it. Uh, just as a rule but we've seen like you know even a company like amazon has had a really hard time getting a, a foothold in games despite the resources uh, that they have available and stadia also probably did not perform to the expectations you would expect of a company like like google uh so i i'm definitely a little bit reticent yeah i think that's a i think that's a solid take i i share a lot of those feelings i mean i I am encouraged that it is a part of the base subscription to Netflix that it isn't, uh, you know, an added an add on, but of course that can change in the future. Um, and I think that if they're really interested in making it part of the growth of the platform, I mean, Netflix has sort of reached a critical mass uh, where it seems like everybody has a Netflix subscription and if they want growth and have it to be part of the baseline subscription, then they're looking for people that aren't subscribed to Netflix, but would subscribe to Netflix to get games. And I think that very narrow swath of people uh, can only be grabbed by getting games that you can't get anywhere else. Right. I don't understand Mm -hmm. why, you know, you'd want to just get on and play bejeweled on that. Like, Oh, I got to subscribe to Netflix to get bejeweled. Like, okay. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me if you want to tie it to growth of the platform. If you were talking about growth of the platform of just minutes people spend on the platform, then yes, just adding games can probably get people to spend more minutes on your platform. But I don't know if that's the growth they're talking about. Um, I'm hopeful that it's not those gotcha type games. I'm hopeful that because it's part of a, a subscription that it feels more like Apple Arcade where yeah. they're you know, creating a, a more curated kind of um, better experience for for the players. But uh, Christian, I know you have been a big proponent of the Netflix of games for a long time, as as I have. Um, 
what do you think of this? Do you think that this is the company to do it? Well, they certainly have the right name for it. (laughs) 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 I mean, I think I've been, you know, I've sung Apple Arcade's praises and also talked about, I think, many of its shortcomings on this show. And I think one advantage Netflix could have over Apple Arcade is that if you go into Netflix Arcade, which is what I'll just call it for the sake of this conversation, um, the organization will hopefully be there because Apple Arcade lives within the App Store and there's all these other games, a lot of them pure garbage, and there's not an easy way. You can tap the Apple Arcade tab, but then it loads them as individual apps, and it's just it's difficult. It's not clear and concise. And I think Netflix not having, it seems, other games on their service it seems like they could have something very compelling. I am curious because they did mention that it's looking to be a mobile only if they will be download games the way Apple Arcade is. Apple Arcade does mm, not rely on streaming um, the way you know Stadia and, and other services do. And so if they are device specific, I think you'll have games that will run better and you won't have to worry about connection and, and that kind of stuff. But Netflix already is a streaming service so i wonder if they'll lean into the streaming side of things and to what extent they'll then need to increase bandwidth or you you know the the latency that's acceptable for gaming is very different than Mm. uh, watching something and then i'm curious if it's mobile how they kind of differentiate controller needed or plays only on touch will they all have to be playable only on touch there's a lot of those types of difficulties when developing for mobile that don't exist on on console in the same way but to ryan's point i think you said something interesting about you know kind of the shows and the joke about the queen's gambit game i think they could really do something smart there with their games like imagine if gwent was a netflix arcade exclusive you know it hadn't come out already so you have your witcher tie-in you have a really great chess game that is learn to learn the queen's gambit with queen's gambit that's cool Stranger I mean, things. You can even, you can even get, go farther and say, like, oh, I'm watching the Castlevania show. Let's, yes. You can play Castlevania or the upcoming Last of Us show. Play Last of Us. I mean, obviously, these aren't mobile games, but you well, could Last imagine. Of Us is HBO, but yes. Oh, Last of Us is HBO. You're right. But you're right. I mean, the, the, the blurring of the line between the IP existing and multiple things, I think that that's kind of an exciting yeah. potential here. I don't know if it's super compelling enough for me to be like yes this is the place to go to play those games but well i think it's to your to your point too about growth yes they they need subscriber growth but i also think they do want minutes consumed and i think they also want subscriber retention and as ryan mentioned they lost you know disney plus and other services have started chipping away at netflix and if I, i might not gain x million of people by adding games but i might retain them it might be now my one-stop shop kind of for everything when i'm on my device and i think that is what people are looking for in terms of companies in in terms of building out these services but also as ryan mentioned games are hard and doing tie-in games is also hard because (laughs) development of a i mean COVID has changed it but development of a movie or tv show is a little more linear than development of a game which feels like uh rubber bands and sticky tape until the very, very end. Well, it feels like the the way to do it is what we're talking about is like the game already existed. We created the show based on the game. Now (laughs) we can put, you just go grab the game, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But But I think my, my big unanswered are download or streaming and then how they kind of wrestle with playable only with touch or allowing or requiring a controller. 
but I, I, I like more companies getting into this space. I think it's exciting and I hope they make the right hires to, to do it. I've heard, um, I think I can say that I've heard, and this was not this past week, but I've heard it's a mess. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I uh, hope they write that ship. I, I'm, I'm really hoping that the PlayStation data mining stuff wasn't just uh, you know, weird experimentation that there is some sort of deal. Cause I, I, I'd like, I'd like it to work, right? We were rooting for stadia. We were, I root for these things. I think the convenience factor is, is pretty compelling. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes and we will keep you updated as we know more. But now it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call the playlist. Ooh, you playing this week? Tell us. Ooh, you playing this week? Tell us on the playlist. Time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Ryan, I know you play a ton of stuff <laughs> on your stream. What have you been playing lately? Well, I, I'm just like considering myself so lucky because prior to this week i had been playing just classic roguelites for like a month you know i the game i I play the most is the binding of isaac which i think is at this point probably at least fairly well known outside of the the indie bubble but Mm -hmm. at the uh the end of march they came out with a dlc that I, I would say it like tripled the size of this game that had wow. already been ballooning in size from 2012 onwards, basically. So I, I'm coming very close to having a hundred percent done in that game after, uh, I don't know, like 3,700 hours or something that is wow. embarrassing wow. to admit. Um, and I, I've incredible. gone back to, to slay the spire, which is lovely. And uh, I've gone back to FTL, which is just a, a, a timeless and, wonderful game but this week i actually played something that people are talking about and something that's kind of new uh which is pokemon unite the nintendo pokemon and 10 cents moba that just came out on the switch yeah and and how do you like it i thought i was gonna hate it and uh i i'm a skeptic for a number of reasons one is that it's cross-play switch and mobile so I, i figured it would have some of those gotcha trappings which it actually does and i have vivid memories of the moba fast follow craze maybe like nine years ago where you know all of a sudden dota and league and heroes of new earth became insanely popular and then you ended up with like hey there's a lord of the rings moba now the battle for middle earth or whatever it's called or guardians of middle earth which actually i thought was pretty good as well and then there's a hey there's a dead island moba for some reason and it just like it it felt like it was just so cynical back then but i actually uh i i think that pokemon unite is bizarrely compelling and i i thought maybe i'd play a little and i probably played like five or six hours in the past three days wow so uh- are you a Pokemon fan? Is that what brought you to the game? Or did you just want to try something different? I, uh, I I was really into... I was the right age to get into the first generation of the Pokemon games when they came out. So I, I was a diehard. Like, I had the, the poster of the original 151 on my wall as a kid and stuff like that. But uh, I, I kind of got out of it as I got older. I played a little bit of Pokemon Go, and then I, I washed out of that. Uh, so I, I wouldn't describe myself really as like a, a huge Pokemon fan, but it's really just that it, it's a MOBA that mitigates a lot of the problems that I have with MOBAs, which is namely uh, matches having an indeterminate length that sometimes can be up to an hour. And also knowing sometimes five minutes into an hour long match that you're going to lose, but having to yeah. play it out anyway. 
So these are yeah. 10 minute games, no matter what, like whether you're stomping or being stomped, there's a 10 minute timer makes it very easy to be like, oh, I'll just play like a couple of games before bed or, you know, like while I'm having lunch or something like that. It's uh, like two lanes, essentially. You have two abilities instead of four abilities. There's a, a very manageable roster of characters for now. So it doesn't feel like you have to, you know, spend days and days on the wiki before you even start to play for the first time to understand what's happening. But it still has the the engaging aspects of, you know, cooperation and strategy and team play and, you know, the 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 sense of satisfaction you get when you pop off personally. So I, I think they did a, a, a really surprisingly good job of marrying these concepts that I, I would have expected to honestly be kind of a disaster. How does it handle the monetization and like that aspect of the game? Because I, I know it's free to play and, and cross play and it's Pokemon. So aimed at kids. And I'm curious mm. kind of how they handle that, you know, buying characters or, or is it, I guess, buying hollow outfits for your characters or something. It is uh probably the most controversial issue about the game <laughs> and i i wouldn't necessarily say that i that they handle it well i think that it takes the mobile game experience which is you know there's three different kinds of currency one of which is very readily available one of which you get for completing missions and challenges and stuff like that and one of them that you can only get by you know putting in your, your credit card number uh and then everything is essentially purchasable with real world money and everything. I, the the thing that I think is going to shock core gamers or annoy core gamers more than mobile gamers predominantly is the fact that you can equip these items on your Pokemon to give them like stat bonuses. And then those are fairly cheap to buy from the store, but you can upgrade them as well to keep giving you further and further stat bonuses. And those are going to require either a, you know, what, what, most adults i would say is a prodigious amount of you know grinding on a free to play uh, standpoint or maybe putting in a little bit of extra money to kind of juice the uh, juice the economy there a little bit and it does give you a, a demonstrative effect on the gameplay so i do think there's there's pay to win aspects of it for sure um you can also buy you you can much like league of legends there's like a free rotation uh on a like week by week basis i think of pokemon but you can also buy licenses to unlock them forever and those are maybe like i'm gonna say around eight to ten dollars per uh per pokemon probably so seems <clears throat> roughly in in keeping with uh what league charges but I, certainly i think on on the expensive side um yeah so i i definitely most of the commentary that i've seen surrounding the game is like the the gameplay elements themselves are fun the monetization to to call it predatory might be like a, a step beyond where i'd feel comfortable going but certainly it does seem like you can you can pay money to give yourself a, a not negligible advantage so that's pokemon unite uh christian i know you you're a big pokemon fan any any desire to check this one out no my kids still don't know it exists and i don't think they will i, I mean i've read about i i I have a slippery very, slope, slippery slope. <laughs> oh, yes. A, a severe reaction, uh, uh, to multiple currencies. <laughs> oh, I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad that it, it plays well. And, and I, I do think something like this might end up being 
you know, a, a more successful path forward for Nintendo, where I think they've kind of struggled in the mobile market, aside Pokemon Go, obviously, is its own thing. And I think monetized pretty fairly, all things considered. But Mario Kart, and I guess they're, um, oh my goodness, what is the RPG one that's done very oh, well? For Fire them? Emblem Heroes? Yes, Fire Emblem. Um, but, you know, they, they've had a very interesting track record on mobile. And I think it's interesting to see this now being... Uh, cross play and and the same game on switch and mobile and, and i'm curious to see how it develops and and how much simplicity do players really want in their mobas um i don't know if we know the answer to that yet yeah um before we get off of your playlist ryan i, I we talked a little bit in the pre-show before we started recording about uh slay the spire and and our shared love of it but i just thought uh, I, I wanted to maybe reiterate some of the stuff you were talking about about uh you, you considering that game maybe a little underrated um it's it's a game that i absolutely adore and watching you play it is really fun for me so i don't know if you can speak to that a little bit yeah i i don't know i'm going to assume that most people are familiar with it at this point but if they're not yeah, i think so uh, it's it's a roguelite deck building game so if you're familiar with with board games it, it gets compared a lot to a game like uh dominion where you know, the purpose of the game is to build the the strongest cohesive deck that you possibly can. And uh, you go through encounters that get increasingly difficult. You get differing rewards every single run and, and every run's a little bit different as a result. And I, I will take any opportunity. So thank you for the opportunity to, to tell people about it. I, I talked about pretty much only this game for like 2017 and 2018 entirely. So uh, <laughs> any, any chance I get to be an evangelist, I will. I, I think that even people, in my opinion, underrated because they consider themselves either like, oh, I'm a card game person or I'm not a card game person. And I, I thought of myself, despite having a little bit of a history casually playing like Magic the Gathering and stuff like that, I thought I was not really a card game person. But it really is just like an incredibly well-designed roguelite. Like everything that is in the game exists for a reason and there's no fluff. There's There's... Almost nothing in the game that exists just to be like, hey, we padded the numbers of of items or enemies or whatever. Um, and and the more you play, the more it reveals there. So I I think it's uh, deceptively like one of the the best games ever made. And I I go to bad for it. I use deliberately uh, overblown language to to try to make that point over and over. And I, I'm hoping that history proves me right in uh, in a few years. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been equally um effusive about the game it, it's it's amazing and i basically compare every card-based roguelite to it uh and almost all of them fall come up short so i don't do you play a lot in that genre or you sort of just stick with that one i do but i i think you you bring up a great point which is that sometimes a new slay the spire inspired roguelite will come out and people will be like when are you gonna play it when are you gonna play it and when i play it i i can't help but feel that i'm compromising and and playing a game that is just a, a facsimile of the uh the thing that i really wanted to play in the first place yeah the, the exception i think and and maybe this is what you're alluding to is there's this game called monster train that came out uh, about uh, a year ago i guess now mm. and uh it it is similar to slay the spire in mechanically um but you know in slay the spire you get like a little bit 
stronger as the game goes on. It's very deliberate and and strategic. And in Monster Train, like after every encounter, you're like, okay, my creatures are two times stronger, and now they have uh, three times the HP, and now they do AOE damage, and you kind of like scale exponentially instead of linearly. And I think that that made that a a cool game that's definitely worth you know investing a lot of time into as well. But a, a lot of other games in the genre, I play them for like an hour and then i go i think i'll just uh supplement this with like 50 hours uh, 50 more hours of slay the spire after this <laughs> that's awesome i love hearing your perspective on it it's it's really cool um all right christian you and i on in our playlist uh have a game a new game uh, that just came out uh it's getting a lot of buzz and i would say deservedly so uh, we both uh, have been playing death's door which is a new game from Devolver um, and very much is a sort of Zelda-esque uh, top-down exploration, puzzle-solving combat experience where you play as a bird. You know, another game where you play as a bird. Um, and uh, you, this bird can swing a sword and shoot a bow and arrow and all sorts of cool things, use magic. Um, uh, but you're not just any bird. You are a bird in the afterlife collecting souls. It's hard to explain, but <laughs> I think it's a game very, very cool. Uh, what did you think of Death's Door? Uh, I absolutely love it. I yeah. am playing it. I'm, how, how deep are you avoiding spoilers? There's kind of well, we three are, main chunks. Yeah, I am through the first main chunk. I have uh, the witch. I did the yes. witch. I think yeah. we're in a vi- almost the exact same spot then. Yeah. Um. So I look forward to maybe the last chunk of me being like, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're I, again, we're recording early this week. I, I put in as many hours as I could before uh, we recorded. But man, I'm dying to get back and play more of it. I, this game has its hooks in me. Well, if you do die, can I have your soul? Because I need some. Um, <laughs> oh, I've died a number of times. <laughs> death. It says on the screen, death. <laughs> yes. So it is. And I think people, you might hear it described the shorthand. You know, it, it's it's like, it's Die Hard meets Fast and the Furious or whatever, like log line pick for a movie. <laughs> it's neither of those. For this, you would hear Zelda meets uh, Souls-like. And well, I think really souls like exactly. I, think. I, I think it's not really Zelda either. While I think that's an accurate, like broad, you know, viewing the forest and none of the trees kind of overhead view. Yeah, of it gives the you game. an essence of it kind of, but not really. Right. I, I don't want the souls like to deter people from playing this game because it is challenging. You will die often. The deaths are fair and it's not like, Oh, I turned left and there's a skeleton. Like I, this is the way I know I'm, I think I'm supposed to go, but I just can't, you know, you keep like so many of the souls games and the ones I've played, you can, you know, figuratively kill yourself, just beating your head against a rock, trying to overcome an obstacle. And you don't know if you're just not good enough or you didn't see the thing that you're actually supposed to do. Well, where it's like souls is that you can die from just an average mob, like just a, just the the fodder bad guy that's just wandering around. You could absolutely die from. (laughs) And, and, And death's door, you know, can wear you down through an average enemy. But the isometric view, I think, makes it very different. And again, being a third through the game, it's it's very clear, you know, what your ultimate goal is and what that progression is. It's not guessing left or right. And, and within levels in themselves, there's exploration and, and light puzzle solving. And it's all explained beautifully in game without heavy handed text, like push this to this to do unlock. It's just 
you're playing in the game and the environmental cues are are showing you what to do and how to activate this thing to drop the ladder. And while you that's are- That's where it's very Zelda-like. Sorry to interrupt. That's, that's where it's very Zelda-like, I think. Like there are the equivalent of like a Zelda temple or a dungeon where you got to get the keys to get to the thing. And you, it seems like you could go a million different ways, but the game subtly forces you to go the way that makes the most sense. And But it feels like you're figuring it out Yes, uh, and all of the puzzles just sort of present themselves without really laying themselves out in front of you in any specific way. You just sort of see it and recognize it and figure out what to do. It very much feels like Zelda in that regard. Yes, but I, I think a little lighter, right? Again, I haven't finished the game, but yeah. there's no water temple, right? It's not like a head scratch, like, uh, and, and not as much back travel of like, now I have this item, I can do this thing. Right. There are clearly things that you see that you can go back to when you have other items, but it's not, doesn't feel as necessary for ultimate progression as it does for, you know, getting this little perk or going to be able to get a thing that allows you to power up your sword a little bit more. Um, but I will say, I, I absolutely love the game. I love the art direction. It is beautiful and stunning yeah. and the fluidity of, you know, like the smoke clouds and the puffs that come out of characters and enemies. And the combat is is very simple, but precise and you don't have a stamina gauge on screen the way you would in a Souls game, but you quickly learn kind of how many hits you can do before your character hits um, their um, animation reset or you're kind of vulnerable after a swing or when you can get a roll in and kind of learn those timing mechanics. And you can upgrade that stuff too. Yes, yes. And the enemy variety is really fun and fresh also where you kind of learn a different enemy's counters and, and how to approach things in the boss fights so far feel more reminiscent of a Zelda boss fight than a souls boss fight where you kind of learn the pattern. You can get wrecked very quickly. (laughs) My biggest gripe is that you don't see the enemy's um, lifeline. Like you don't know how close you are to killing the boss. Well, it's all Uh, in game, right? Yeah. There's not a health bar, but it's like, you're not shows where, but you don't go. I I have a heart. It it bums me out because I, you know, I'll die on a boss a couple of times. Like, I don't even know how close I was, (laughs) you know? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And and then another thing I'd really like about the game is that its checkpointing system is is very friendly. Like you'll after yeah. you die, um, you reset at the last door you went through, the door between kind of realms of your office and the world in which you're battling. Um, and there are a good number of those. It will require some retreading and backtracking that makes, you know, pushing a little further the way you get health is you plant seeds in these jars and so it's like, oh, you see one. Do I, I only have one seed with me. Do I put the seed there? I'm going to press and try to get it to the next one. And then you might get in, you know, over your head and then you have to run it again and the enemies will respawn, but everything remains unlocked. So after you've kind of solved the puzzle of a room, <clears throat> excuse me, and then you die, you can try, just try to skirt those enemies, right? And, and run yeah. through a room and keep pushing and advancing. And this game, Death Store again is what we're talking about, feels like that game that I was kind of clamoring for. It's the non-rogue type Hades, you know, style game where it has a narrative. It's it's difficult. You're going to rerun things over and over and over again, but I'm never worried that I don't have the right gear or that I, I didn't yeah. get the good RNG role. And I should also say that I am playing this uh, on my iPhone with my backbone via GeForce Now here in Wyoming. And the experience has been absolutely exquisite. Like, when I get my steam deck, would I be playing it natively on that? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, but it's been great. Like I love the fact that I can 
play this game that way. I think right now it's only Xbox and PC, but it is a perfect handheld style game. Well, I will respectfully disagree and tell you that I'm playing it on my desktop with my ultra wide monitor and it's <laughs> lovely on the ultra wide. It's, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I agree. One of the things that you kind of mentioned the enemies, I think the enemy design is some of the best I've ever seen. It, you're seeing such a cool, cool ideas. Like in the, one of the first areas, um, there are these little creatures that run inside clay pots and you have to like break the pot, but then they can run into a different pot if you don't smack them fast enough. So they're, they're in a pot and they'll come running at you to hit you and you can attack them and you'll break the pot. But then as soon as the pot's broken, they'll run to another pot to try to get inside that pot before, you know, to protect themselves. It, but you have to chase them down and smack. It's, it's such a cool little thing. There's a, there's a major NPC who has a, uh, who has a bowl of soup as a head. You know, he's constantly asking if you want soup it's just ideas I've never seen in anything. It's a view, a vision, a fiction that is entirely unique and original. And I really appreciate that about it. Um, and that's just one example. The, almost every enemy in the game is is something really fun and interesting. There's one that like rolls at you in, in a really cool way. And it's it's such a clever breath of fresh air. In fact, the game that I most compare it to is another hugely underrated game, in my opinion, called Hob. It mm. feels very much like Hob. It's like a slightly darker Hob. So if you haven't played Hob, get on that. You can probably get it for like $3 somewhere. It's, it's, it, I'm sure the company that made it is out of business. So I think it's cheap on Steam. But um, Death's Door is fantastic. Death's Door is only 20 bucks, And uh, lots of game for that, for that money. And uh, yeah, it does not feel to me like a Souls game at all. I mean, you are technically getting souls because that's the job of this bird it's like you know ferrying souls to the afterlife but uh it, it does not feel to me like a souls like at all um much more much more zelda vibes very hob vibes uh but uh great i think really clever i mean puzzles is the wrong word but just sort of activities that you need to do to to unlock a door or to get through the next place or to figure out how to go through a room or you know it's it's lovely. It expresses itself simplistically. It's minimalist. It's it's just a really cool, surprising game. Death's Door. And my understanding is a pretty small dev team that made it as well, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, I, I know. Think it was, uh, it, go ahead. It, yeah, it's made by this company called Acid Nerve that came out with a game in 2015, I think, called Titan Souls. Which, yes. Which was a super cool game that that I really vibed with where – Basically, there was it was just exploration and bosses. There was no fodder at all, and you could do it if I well, and maybe you couldn't do it in any order. But the the design was minimalistic, and then like Shadow of the Colossus style bosses that all had really unique mechanics. And I think it's a two person team, uh, at, at least in terms of like permanent staff. Yeah, and and Titan Souls was a you know um, pixel art game, you know, sort of like um uh well any any pixel art game and this very much not that mm -hmm. uh, uh death's door has a very different visual style that i as pretty as titan souls was and as much as i like some pixel art games i really love how death's door looks um it it's fluid and minimalistic and beautiful um 
So a great uh, soundtrack too. Like the yes, the looping music. It's like eerie at the right times and also yeah. slaps at the right times. It's it's a complete package. Yeah, there's like this flute song that's really beautiful. It's yeah, it's got great music. Uh, so Death Store, huge um, surprise for me, and I'm really glad I picked it up. Christian, what else is on your playlist? Do you remember episode 400, Jeff? Do you remember we last did week? Yeah, do you remember that? It's real mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, and I was like. I talked about how I was going to roll credits on Breath of the Wild. Finally. Yeah, you, you were remember? super confident. You were like, uh, there's nothing that will stop me from rolling credits <laughs> on Breath of the Wild uh, five years after it came out. I don't know how many years since it came out. Yeah, I, well, everything's five years for me. It was five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, I only had one Guardian left, and then there's just you know me and Ganon, I was going to do it. Um, <clears throat> me and Ganon, <clears throat> that's your new, the new sitcom that you're pitching to Fox. <laughs> <laughs> that whatever happens with Ganon Ganon and me, and me. <laughs> <laughs> the power sword my shield zelda <laughs> um i uh my name is christian spicer and i am never going to roll credits on breath of the wild um i finished the last the last guardian different game i i defeated the final guardian i had to defeat i believe i have 11 hearts is where i am in terms of you know, I, I've played over 50 hours of the game. Got to get more hearts, bro. For the Switch. Well, that, <laughs> so I don't have the Master Sword, which I believe you need a minimum of, of 13 to go get. Got to Gotta get that Master Sword, bro. And, and so that's, uh, I looked that stuff up and I was like, no, not going to. I, I, the, the problem is, and we've talked about the show a lot, the show. We've talked about the show a lot on this game. We've talked about the <laughs> game a lot on this show. Man, I respect what it, has done and i love how it resonated with so many people and i love so much about the game so much about it but as a total package i just find myself not wanting to spend the required time in the world um and i think it's the little things like the death of a thousand cuts that finally wear me down of like whether it's the breakable i don't have the master sword you know breakable weapons or going into your inventory to change from a sword to a bow and then to change the this and to or to eat the this or to throw the that um kind of slowing down what i would otherwise kind of find my natural flow state within the game and so i made a couple of runs at ganon and i used my um <clears throat> swim armor i'm going to get i don't i'm not even going to try the name for it, you know, to swim up, to kind of circumvent a lot of the otherwise fighting that would happen. And uh, Ganon just wrecked me. And I was like, well, let's see how close I was. Kind of like that, you know, the boss showing the health. Dude, Ganon has so many forms, you guys. So, so many forms. And I know what I need to do. I need to go do like a thousand more temples (laughs) to get my heart You're supposed to want to. You're supposed to to love that stuff to get my master sword and I just don't want to do it. I don't, I thought I could just kind of beat the game. You know, I was like, Oh, I did all the things. I've did a decent number of temples. I did all the guardians. I feel pretty strong. I don't need to get the master sword. That's optional. Here's the thing, Christian, you don't want to play breath of the wild. You want to have played breath of the wild. Well, you know what yes, I mean? You're, you're right. I, I don't want to play Breath of the Wild. I want to play a distilled down version of it. Well, you want to have beaten it. You want to have played it. You want it to just, you want to be able to say that you finished it, but you don't actually want to do what's required. Well, that's what I said. I want a streamlined version. I really yeah. enjoyed the Guardian fights. I really enjoyed the temples I did. I enjoyed the discovery I had. I don't enjoy the 
forced discovery I now need to do, right? Like I've hit That's that. fine, dude. That's fine. It you is, can be at peace with that. You can danish that game. Maybe I, be I, done with it. I have danished it over and over. I Nether Realm danished it and now I'm respawn danishing it. You know, like I <laughs> <laughs> uh, double double danish. Can I can I make a recommendation that will uh infuriate a number of our listeners? <laughs> play death's door some more because it's real good now that that's for, for sure i don't think that's going to infuriate anybody but instead of rolling credits on breath of the wild roll credits on immortals phoenix rising dude i i almost bought i, I have so a good and it I, doesn't I, have that problem at the end the end it crescendos it's awesome it's so good I the know. end I know i know i really love isometric a uh, hello death's uh, door and i almost bought the dlc which you don't need to finish to play because they have that I, that other adventure with the other hero that's isometric yeah that immortals phoenix rising what a what a gem of game styles that i really enjoy <laughs> it is, um, dude, I, I should do that i think i you know people get very mad when i compare it to breath of the wild because of course it wouldn't have exist without breath of the wild it is a complete uh homage to that game but i just think it strips away all those little pain points that i had with breath of the wild and it for me, for me, is a superior experience. But uh, and if you disagree with Jeff, you can email us at dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. And if you it. want to just email me a link of the credits rolling that I can watch on YouTube, you can email that to <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. I really thought I'd do it, and there's still uh, I, I'm over fifty hours, which I know is like not a lot by not some lot stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I thought I was close, and I am not. I am not close. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right. I have one more game to mention quickly on my playlist. I've been playing mostly death's door, but I did check out um, a game on uh, Xbox game pass. that just arrived. It's a, I think it's a little bit older game from last year, but I hadn't played it. It's called Raji an ancient Epic. And uh, this is another isometric game. Well, yeah, I guess mostly isometric. Um, it is uh from a, a small development team in India. And it is all about, it is, is based on myths, legends, religion of, of India and really presents itself in a very original way, very unique way. Uh, really taken by this game. It is a uh, sort of platforming um, combo based action game you uh, play this girl, Raji, whose brother is stolen by a bunch of demons and she tries to get him back. And the cutscenes are presented uh, in this really striking style of, of like 2D cutout puppets, um, beautiful voiceover, um, all based on, uh, you know, legends, uh, Indian legends. And the game itself is gorgeous. Uh, it is an Unreal Engine game, really, really pretty. The environments are so striking. Uh, the camera is really pulled back far. So it's almost almost plays like a mix between like Prince of Persia or uh, Tomb Raider and God of War. I mean, you have uh, combos and you're, you're doing lots of combat and stuff like that, but also leaping off of pillars, climbing up poles and balancing on them and leaping off of them and uh, that kind of exploration stuff. But the camera is really, really pulled back. So you get this majestic view of the environment, your character really small on it, uh, which I think kind of creates this sense of scale that is really cool. 
my gripe is that the game, the, the character just feels a little too floaty and imprecise. If it was a little tighter, I think this game would, would really soar for me because the, the narrative is awesome. The way it's presented is awesome. The environment, the beauty of the game, really, really lovely. But the, the combat and the exploration, the actual movement of the character, like she'll walk downstairs and she, her legs won't exactly hit all the steps. She'll just sort of like hover down them a bit and she'll leap to a, a, a ledge and just sort of soar, soar uh, float and last a little bit longer in the air than seems appropriate or seems feasible. Uh, so it's, it just doesn't feel quite right. But if you have Game Pass, very much worth the download. I think just to see uh, a setting that we never see in video games, um, main characters we never see in video games, a presentation that you never see in video games. I, I love the way the cutscenes play out. It's super compelling. Um, I'm, I can be a person who is impatient and, and uh, skips cutscenes sometimes when I feel like I got it. Okay, I got it. You're just kind of belaboring the point here. I didn't skip any of them in this game. And um, it's because of how interesting and different they, they were. So again, this is called Raji an ancient epic and it's on game pass. I think it's also on steam and you can get it other ways, but if you have game pass as well, I think, Hmm. Oh, I think it'd probably be a pretty cool switch experience. Yeah. Really cool game. All right. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. Ryan Letourneau, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been a delight having you. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, feeding me a softball about Slay the Spire. It's uh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) My pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the content you create online. I'm live every weekday on twitch.tv slash Northern Lion from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. I play uh, a lot of roguelites, but I I play a variety of stuff, particularly indie stuff as well. So if you like that, uh, come on by. The focus is very much not on the gameplay. It's on the the banter and the, the commentary and the dialogue, much like a podcast. And uh, archives of that, as well as uh, bespoke-made videos, are at youtube.com slash northernlion, uh, where I've been, I've been doing my thing for like 10 years. So thanks for having yeah. me. That's where you can find me. Great stuff, man. My friend uh, Dan, Dan Trachtenberg, uh, big-time Hollywood director, oh, yeah. Dan Trachtenberg, uh, turned me on to you. And I, uh, I very much enjoyed uh, – you know, streaming – a lot of people stream – uh, and there's a lot of variety in in types of streamers. Uh, I definitely gravitate to a certain kind, and I think the kind that the, the the style in which you stream, which is I think able to bring the viewer along and explain what you're doing as you go. I, I think I think it is very difficult to do that well, and you do it exceptionally well. So um, kudos to you. No, oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, Christian Spicer, what is on? Or excuse me, what is uh, what do you got going on this week? Uh, enjoying a little bit more mountain air before heading yeah. back to uh, the city of angels. Um, and then this show obviously was not, but typically I, I stream, I think next week I'm not going also, but <laughs> more often than not, I stream this show live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And I have a newsletter you can, you can subscribe to for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I just sent out my summer, uh, some e no summer of 
Games E3 EA Play uh, <laughs> recap <laughs> newsletter. If you just mumble them all together, it's not. That's not doing it. You're not actually linking them together. You no, just... you, you, the E's connect them all. Jeff. Ah, Don't you understand ah, the I E's? See. The E's connect them all. Uh, there was no E's in what you did at all. There is, there's E's somewhere. Uh, there was no E-S-E is what I'm saying. No E's. E's play three Keely, I think is what it's called. Um, but that, <laughs> that just went out. And then you can find out other things as they're happening on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Spicer. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And if you want to email us here at the show, again, that's dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. You can also um, listen to other shows that I create or watch them as well as listen to them, um, including the Slash Filmcast. Oh, I can't call it that anymore. I have to get that out of my mouth. It's not called the Slash Filmcast anymore. We rebranded after 16 years of doing the show. We're now free for, oh, not free. There's no free. It's an amicable split from the slash film.com. And now we are on our own independent, the film cast. You can find the film cast. You can still find it at slash filmcast.com, but uh, we are no longer the slash film cast, uh, but still making, I think uh, really wonderful content about movies and TV shows. And this week we will be talking about the new M night Shyamalan movie called old, which I watched last night. Uh, and also, there is a comedy science podcast I do if you want to learn something and laugh along the way. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find it at weHaveConcerns.com. And I do the Dungeon Run, my live play Dungeons & Dragons show. Um, really fun episode last week. Check that show out. You can jump in at any episode. We're on episode 89, but you don't have to start from episode one. You can jump in anytime. Every episode has a recap of what's happened so far. It's a lot of fun. Great live audience as well. Uh, those are Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run. Uh, all episodes are archived on YouTube and as an audio podcast as well. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Ryan, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? So you want a non-game media suggestion? It, yeah, I mean, it can be a game if, if, if that's what you would prefer. Just sort of something else to get people, uh, you know, something to leave the show with. Well, I, I think I've come across as maybe too amiable. So let's alienate uh, a chunk of people. Um, over, uh, over the course of the pandemic, like, like many people, I got interested in uh, investing and temporarily obsessed with the stock market. Don't worry. The way that this ends is not me telling you to, you know, pump a stock or something like that. It's the opposite. Uh, I read a lot of finance books and and came away looking always for the opportunity to recommend this book by Burton Malkiel from like 1976 called uh, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. Uh, mm. If anybody is interested in the concept of investing, but overwhelmed by the internet discourse, uh, largely driven by people maybe lying and telling you that they've made, you know, 1,000x their money over the course of the past year. And, you know, if you uh, invest in companies that you've heard of, you're a boomer and uh, should be shunned. I definitely recommend this. It is a uh, a scientific data-driven look at at 
an investing strategy that is basically just set it and forget it and uh, help, help strip away a lot of the bombastic fiction that I think you read about when it comes to uh, investing online. So anybody who's in, in, even tangentially interested in that kind of stuff, I, I highly recommend that book. And, and I've read a, a number of books in the field. I think it's the best by far. I just ordered it. That's wonderful. Oh, hey. I've never heard of this. Uh, again, it is called A Random Walk Down Wall Street by Burton G. Melchiel. Very good. Very cool suggestion. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What's your parting gift? Well, I mean, this one just came to my mind, but if you're worried about losing your money on Wall Street, you can just send it to me. and uh, <laughs> You'll know where it is. I will spend it on Steam decks and fight sticks. And <laughs> yeah. It, it will not be a loss. Um, my actual double parting gifts for you. One, very specific. It just came out. The Midnight's new album, The Rearview Mirror, Woo! which is uh, a reimagining um, with the full orchestra um, of their um, first album. Uh, I guess I had an EP first, but it's beautiful. The Rearview Mirror, you can find it everywhere you find music now streaming or you can go buy it. And it's wonderful and beautiful and um, they're also on tour. So if you are get vaccinated, um, you know, do that safely, but they're wonderful. The album's fantastic. There's some video yeah. of the production of it too. And not only does the orchestral composition kind of change the feelings of them also listening to those songs now after the, you know, year and a half we we're still living in, um, they have different feels and they're fantastic. Check those they out. They need to be the biggest band in the world. They, they it, seriously like incredible. If you well, can also still reply to my texts about like getting coffee, like you can't have. <laughs> <both>. <laughs> no, we're we're gonna hang onto those bootstraps and you know the pant leg and just get pulled all right along with them, right? dude. I good. can be a dope hype person. Like I cannot play a saxophone. Probably don't trust me with a cowbell, but I will stand there and be so into it, like pointing, <laughs> fist pumping. You know, love it ready to go on tour. My other more generic broad one is um, read nineties, Marvel and star Wars novels and also comics. One of those dark horse comics. The one I'm reading right now is a Michael Jan uh, Friedman Friedman book. Uh, Fantastic Four: redemption of the silver silver surfer. There are so many wonderful, especially both actually, but Marvel and star Wars before star Wars is owned by Marvel novelizations of, not just adaptations of comics, but original works of fiction that exist only as um, novels. Spider-Man, Carnage in New York is another one. Uh, the Incredible Hulk, What Savage Beast. Uh, Spider-Man, The Lizard Sanction, which I actually read back in the day. And they are kind of time capsules of what 90s Marvel was. Um, very different than the MCU. I love the MCU. Loki is, I think, just fantastic and beautiful and stunning. And I, I love... Um, the direction of that, of, of that Disney plus series, but these novels are so different and just zany in all the nineties ways. Um, they kind of, there was a retrospective now that Avengers campus is open at, at Disneyland or California adventure of what it's like going to universal studios, Marvel Island. And it's like, Oh, that's just lives in the nineties, right? They can't have any MCU. It's just comic book characters, very nineties, different interpretations of these characters, and the same is true of these novels in the Star Wars books. Timothy Zahn, of course, has now done new ones, but his old run uh, that is now not officially canon and some of the old Dark Horse comics are well worth your time. 
even though they are not officially canon, go back and pick up one. They're dirt cheap at a used bookstore and I think well worth the afternoon read. You know that you recommending or us recommending stuff from the 90s is the equivalent of someone recommending stuff from the 60s when we were kids. You know that, right? Yeah. And do you know what was good? Stuff in the 60s. 60s. A lot of 60s music was very good. I'm not saying it's bad. I just want to put into context what that how that lands on kids, <laughs> you know, it's so, just okay. so crazy. Okay. Uh, I apologize for this, 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 uh, death stranding thread. We're going to follow it. It has nothing to do with death stranding, but just following a, a divergent thread here. Uh, one totally okay with that Two, Kids. If you're listening to this, thank your parents for playing it while you're in the car, because I know that's the only way <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to this right now. So Three, this is, I will say it's not polished cause I'm not really doing a lot of stand up now because we're still, pretty locked down personally as a family um three i will this is a bit that i am kind of workshopping and working on uh i'm done trying to do what the kids are doing like you'll see things like kids no longer use lol or laugh cry emoji if you want to be treated seriously by kids you need to do x no dude you're 14 come (laughs) at me when and then you know some stuff i won't say on the show have fallen and you understand what life is about Nope. Hmm. I should not be trying to do what they're doing. They should be trying to do what I'm doing, you know? So yes, read 90s. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> makes you into more of a dad than that perspective. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Bring it bring it on, my friend. Yesterday, I went hiking mm. with hiking boots on and a too short swim trunks. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I was going to get in the lake at the top. I'm not going to bring a change. What are we doing here? You know? <laughs> Get on board. <laughs> All right. Uh, my parting gift. Well done, sir. My parting gift. Uh, if you, if you, if there's any chance, any chance that you haven't watched Ted Lasso yet. Season two came out as we were recording this. Ted Lasso. Get in there. Uh, it will make you feel good about the world. It will make you feel for, for just a brief 30 minutes of your time. It will make you feel like, oh my gosh, there's actually goodness. There's actually some goodness still here on planet earth. Uh, and it is delightful and funny and heartwarming. And season two is more of the same. Get on the Ted Lasso. It's on uh, Apple TV Plus, I believe. All right. We got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from a different Ryan. Uh, Ryan writes, uh, I installed Bing wallpapers on my gaming machine at home a few weeks ago. It cycles your wallpaper daily with images like what, what you might see on the Windows 10 login screen. There's pictures of wildlife, nature, and stunning landscapes. If you right-click the Bing icon on your notification area, bottom right of the taskbar, it will tell you what the photo is with a clickable link for more information. I see a beautiful new picture each day, and I thought DLC listeners might be interested to know more. Who knew that Bing would actually be useful? All the best. Thank you, Ryan, for sending that in. Uh, lovely. That's a cool. I love little suggestions of stuff that I would never even think about. You know, that's cool. I dig it. Um, if you want to have your parting gift right on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send that. We appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Ryan Letourneau and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you for downloading the show and giving us your time. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.